Good afternoon, The Commute. This is Chris Single, back from beyond the grave, driving home from work. I uh, am notoriously bad at uh, taxation and representation, but in this case, mostly the taxation. Uh, had to run yesterday morning and drop off some final tax paperwork, because the 18th was the extended day. And uh, of course, there was stuff to get done on the 18th. And then uh, this morning, I forget what my excuse was this morning. I think I had a phone call or something with uh, family. You know how it is. Uh, but we are heading home. There's no reason to justify that. It's like uh, when everyone started blogging in 96 or whatever. Yeah, I've been blogging since 96. I'm old. There were, there were people near my house recently that were like, oh yes, we're adults just out having a conversation. And then one said, oh yeah, we're all at uh, the college right here. Like, I'm a decade older than actual adults. There are adults who are more than 10 years younger than me. That's crazy. Anyways, uh, when we all started blogging back in 96 or whatever, and then you would come back and say, hey, sorry, I haven't updated in a while. No one cares that you haven't updated in a while, especially with the glut of content that exists now. Just feed the pig when you can. And if it's quality, it'll get shared. And if it's not, it won't get seen. And that's part of the studio model. That was always a thing for uh, the CEO of Funny or Die. If we make 12 videos and six of them are great, that's awesome. There's unfortunately no better way to figure out beforehand which six of them are gonna be hits. And that's true for the internet and it's true for the studio system as well. You don't know until the release date that, uh, you know, Batman vs. Superman might not get rave reviews and uh, Deadpool might crush it. So if there were a simple formula, everyone would be doing it. And I think we're all trying to figure out that simple formula, but it doesn't exist. It's like I was saying in the last podcast, uh, if we can optimize it, we can improve it. And just being able to say, well, Deadpool had two jokes a minute and one swear word a minute, so let's try to hit those ratios, and that's, there's a qualia, there's a, a feeling, there's a mise-en-scene to all these things that I don't know if you'll ever be able to replicate, and that's part of my concern with these chatbots. Even if you can get them to feel like you're having a conversation with a human, there's something about spending time with a human that feels valuable. It's the rise of all these you now and live streaming video things. People just like to know that uh, they're spending time with an actual human, that what they're seeing is a live human being. So getting a chatbot for your transactional stuff, don't get me wrong, is gonna be awesome. Just being able to get those updates and manage your schedule and even do some shopping. But for a therapist, which was one of the first, Linda was it called? It wasn't Alexa. Uh, they were trying to run a Turing test with a chatbot who was playing like a therapist, psychologist character. And it was awful, awful at talking to people. But the thinking there was, well, a psychologist just sits around and say, uh-huh, and how does that make you feel? But it's not about the words and the even the speed at which they're presented or the font in this case, but the knowing that someone is listening and hopefully genuinely cares about your response matters so much more than the fact that they're asking. So that's interesting. I wonder how you would even attempt to replicate a qualia there. Maybe if there's a uh, 
release valve almost, a, a pressure button. Like if you use the word suicide or I'm gonna kill myself, it instantly transfers you to a real life human so that you know no one's monitoring the conversation all the time, but if you need help, it's available to you. And I think that's one of the greatest things about the internet. I was just reading the uh, article, ah, oh, shoot, it wasn't a new co-shift article, it was a back channel about guy was from North Dakota, grew up there 25 years ago, and went and interviewed people about how this connection to the World Wide Web makes them feel if they're still as, you know, Holden Caulfield as he was at their age, of just, everything's terrible and the world is dumb and I'm smart. Uh, but they more know their place and they choose, it's, there's almost an aspect of Amish Rumspringa to it where he asked them, okay, well, what are you going to do then when you graduate? And they almost all said, well, I'm just going to move to a small rural area like the one I live because I like living in this community where everyone knows each other and it's basically like you have a family. You have a community there. And the emphasis on community, I think people appreciate. I think people get that from the internet, but I think once they get it from the internet, they realize how important it is. I think it was lacking before of weirdos, and to a certain extent, everyone's big concern was sickos on the internet now meet up with other sickos, and like men's rights activists convince each other their point of view is okay because they live in this echo chamber. But in a less offensive way, My Little Pony bronies or any sort of fandom gets people saying, yeah, hey, I like that weird thing you like too. Not that any of that's particularly weird, but it's nice to know you're not alone. And then going from there into another community, it allows you to, like I've said before, wear those different faces to your different social networks so that the part of you that loves My Little Pony can have that forum to express how awesome Shutterfly is. Shutterfly is a app for picture taping. I don't think that's the horse's name. Anyways, pony horses. Uh, and the part of you that loves Star Trek can go on that forum and talk about that. And the part of you that loves local craft beer can go out with your friends and just enjoy that. So it's nice that you there are now outlets for humans for all of their different characteristics. And I think people overstate and overassume that every other human will like everything they like, even to the point of, well, my soulmate at least, my life partner would like everything I like. And I think that's not only misguided and dangerous, but kind of the opposite point. My wife likes a lot of things that I wouldn't have any knowledge of if not for her. And I think it's a growing together thing where you don't want to date yourself or marry yourself. I think that's a... That Volkswagen was just spewing black fumes. It's like, how did you people not know there was an emissions cheating test? Um, so yeah, I think being able to feel like you're part of these various communities and wear different hats throughout your day and your week and your life is a great outlet. As long as you're, you know, not hurting anyone with any of those. Um, I forget where all this started, but I, I really like this rambling style I have of following the way my mind weaves in and out of topics. 
because a lot of it is related to the internet and a topic I haven't actually touched on yet is it's all related to entropy because the universe is falling apart. That's just a physical law. There's no 100% efficient system. And since these are all systems, we're losing heat loss to the universe. And we're never gonna win. We just have to try to make order out of chaos as best we can. And if we make a little extra heat by building computers that help us communicate and enjoy our time on this planet better, so be it. Uh, but that follows through into, you know, non-renewable resources and was it really worth it after all to roll the universe into a ball? Do I dare disturb the universe? Do I dare to eat a peach? Uh, do you, is it worth me commuting to work and expending gallons of oil that will never ever be replaced in my lifetime? Even if we wanted to replace oil, it could take millions of years. You could replace it with a, you know, corn-based ethanol that could be replaced in well, not at the rate we consume it, but decades. Um, so it's a trade-off. Everything is a trade-off. And there's not one clear answer. And this is another point I think most people don't realize. There's not one clear answer on the micro level because people have individual tastes, but there's not one clear answer on the macro level because those individual tastes aggregate. It's like consciousness as an epiphenomenon of the human experience. You have this sense of self and these other senses and a stream of consciousness that makes you believe that I need to be myself and follow through. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm the same person I was yesterday, even though there wasn't a continuity of consciousness. But the other application of that is uh, the video game Civilization. It's fascinating to see that, yeah, maybe you don't want to go hard in religion if it's Civ 5 because the benefits aren't as good as building up your economy, but in certain situations where you, when you have a lot of, I haven't played in a while, but let's say when you have a lot of salt and there is a good trade perk to that and it helps you build up your temples quicker, then for that culture in that place and time, it was the right decision to go religion. So I think anyone who claims they have the one true answer is probably, if not lying to you, misguided. I feel like there's so much today of explaining why my way is the one way and let me sell you this lifestyle. And people are literally selling lifestyles. I was talking recently with a friend about Tim Ferriss who just sells this four hour workweek lifestyle and it's what people think is the answer. So they buy into it and buy his books and listen to his podcast. And I like Tim Ferriss and I think he's a smart guy. It's just it's disingenuous to imply to people that this is the answer to all your problems. One of my favorite quotes from my time in Los Angeles was Jim Carrey at a college graduation said, I wish everyone could be rich and successful and famous so they could see that doesn't solve their problems. Like if what you need is therapy, go to therapy. If what you need is love and support of family, move to where your family is. If what you need is Jimmy John's, move to the Midwest. I really love Jimmy John's. It's fascinating to me that BuzzFeed is having so much trouble with sponsored content because I just got paid $100,000 to talk about Jimmy John's like that. I didn't, but I wish I did. And it makes me wonder if people like me or teenagers now who will grow up to be very similar to me but more enmeshed in this platform of creating content, if they are better served 
creating their personal brand and taking on clients or if they are better served going to a brand they love and working there full time like I would do for Jimmy John's or Dave and Buster's or that type of thing. Um, and it's fascinating to then think the latter is more idiocracy style. Well, I get my Walmart clothes and my Nuka-Cola soda pop and uh, it's all branded to say that I am owned by this corporation. And it's a little more honest and I think eventually that leads to a sort of corporatized universal basic income, which I love the idea of. It's just funded then through sponsorships and advertising of plastering yourself and it leads to the crazy uh, blue and green fights of, it wasn't blue and green, it was red and green fights back in the Roman empires that people would literally fight to the death over the gladiator battles, which is almost what we do for sports. I mean, depending if you've been to a, I don't think there's been any murders at Dodgers games lately, so I think I can joke about it again, but man, people literally fighting to the death because they were trash talking the other team is so ridiculous to me. And when that evolves from just team tribalism to, yeah, but this team, this Nike team that I root for also provides for me and my family, that becomes a lot more dangerous in my mind, a lot easier to say this is worth fighting and dying over. And it's a weird corporate socialist philosophy that might not end super well. But I don't I'm I'm trying so hard to fathom a way that does end well. And it's, uh, I had a buddy, what was it? We were playing craps or something very dumb where he was like, yeah, you basically there have a two and three chance of, this is what it was. You have a two and three chance of going to heaven because you either go to hell or you go to heaven or you go to purgatory and eventually go to heaven. And it's like, okay, but that's like saying you either have, you have a 50-50 chance to win the lottery or not. That's not how statistics works. So... I'm trying to imagine a future scenario, regardless of how viable it is, that is good for people. And I read Thomas More's Utopia, and it was fascinating to see what has changed and what hasn't, because I think there used to be more of a focus on actual physical hard work. I think when that was a more common aspect of society, but now it seems almost silly to say, well, I would enjoy chopping my own wood four hours a day when I can just pay to have it delivered to my house and then spend my time doing what I want to do. And the problem there is the choice paralysis. When you tell everyone, hey, you can do what you want to do, it's terrifying and it's far too many options. And it's not good for mental health in certain ways. It's certainly better than the communist Soviet way of saying, you will have bread at this time and in this line, especially if they don't have the amount of bread to feed all those people. But I don't know, I guess that's my big question for today. How do you envision a utopia? And is it possible to have a generalized utopia? Or do we require a lot of individual freedoms to ensure that everyone can achieve their own personal utopia? So go out and try to build your personal utopia. That's the, the commute for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Peace.